Um, <laughs> sometimes when I do the intro, I'll get a bit louder. And when I was doing it with Fee the other day, she's like, oh. We're going to fall on that chair. That's right. All right, brace yourselves. Everyone ready? Brace. Ready. Seatbelt on. It's going to be a wild ride. Well, guys, shot through the heart and Jesus is to blame. We are back here on a Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> digital seven. I like it when I can get the laugh out of people with my intro. That's fun. <laughs> um, it's very nice to have you online with us. Uh, you can uh, check out Sunday. That's coming out tomorrow. And also on all over YouTube, we've got a couple of other podcasts you might like to check out, Shock Absorber and uh, the Chip Lunch podcast. But also, I have uh, someone else here who is a podcaster by the name of Anna Ware. Hello, Anna. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Please tell the people about your podcast. Uh, content creation what you're up to oh thanks john that's all right we got a plug always plug <laughs> um weekly on mondays comes out an episode of the word on the street which is a podcast for christian families to listen to together aimed at kids but aimed to get families and parents chatting about the word and about jesus and about god with their kids because it's kind of hard to bring up in conversation sometimes but my aim for the podcast is to help it become a natural part of the conversation. Yeah, cool. How many episodes have you, have you done so far? 60. Four. Around about. That's not bad. Pretty good. You know, I heard a statistic that if you get past 21 episodes, you're in the top 1% of podcasters. There you go. So there you go. Well done. I did you hear most it. don't get past the seven points, so I was pretty stoked to get past smash seven. Bus, <laughs> smash past seven now. Get to 100 and you're going to be going very well. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. Thank you. No, that's all right. Thanks for joining us. And uh, mm-hmm. we also have Amy here. How are you, Amy? Hey, I'm well, thanks, Joel. That's good. Uh, now, we always sometimes ask people their lockdown story. What's what's been what's you been your least favorite thing and most favorite thing about lockdown? Um, all right, least favorite thing about lockdown is probably just not being able to see family and friends. Um, That's a pretty tough one. I think everyone can probably relate to that. Um, But one of the best things about lockdown has been the ability to do a push-up program. I have increased in strength dramatically since the start of lockdown. (laughs) Tell us more. Come on, tell us more. Um, I've told quite a few people about this now. It's it's called the Evil Russian Push-Up Program. Yeah, it's better than it sounds. Um, it's basically where you, you have to like do your maximum number of push-ups one day, see how many you can do, and then every day for the next two weeks, you do a percentage of your maximum at a certain like time interval, and it changes every day, and then you retest your push-ups at the end and see how far you got. So I went from 10 at the beginning to 22 after two weeks. So right. it, was, it was a pretty effective way wow. to increase my push-ups in a short space of time but it's it's best to do it during lockdown because that's when you've got all this time when you're at home and you can do push-ups at random times of day when other people can't see you. Do you feel a little achy around your shoulders? I was on the first few days because I forgot to stretch after day one which was a big mistake but um but after the first few days it wasn't too bad my body kind of got used to it. Yep. Right. Is there, are you more than 22 now or 22 is your current max? Um, I haven't retested since, but I haven't been quite as diligent with my push-ups since then either. So I probably haven't exceeded 22. I have heard that if you do more than 20, you're in the top 1% of push-ups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if I can get to 100, I'm doing really well. You're doing very well. You're going to be massive. Uh, anyway, uh, we are going to be back very soon, guys. So stay tuned. Who is the way, the truth, the light?
who is the vision to our eyes? Who is the love that will abide? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. exciting to have you back. I have a new guest, but we'll get to him in a second. Uh, but I'd also <laughs> want to chat to Hannah. Hello. Hello, again. Um, <laughs> you are the coordinator of Fuse. Yes. Please tell us how that's going. We have had two Zooms this term, Yes. Um, which have been going really well. The kids have been loving it. We have played Empires. We have played... Um, What's Empires? Oh. Strikes Back! <laughs> it's, a, it's a game that is very difficult to explain. <laughs> Is it? Okay. So, so I'm it's sure it about well. but it's Jedi's. <laughs> and we played Scattergrees last night, which was fabulous. And um, yeah, the kids have been really getting on board with it, yeah, even we should, though we can't meet together. And we should make sure it's... Uh, year five and six. Year five and six, thank you. Just wanted yep. to clarify for everyone. That's, a, that's the first entry into youth group for our, right. for our kids program, which is really cool. Now, of course, we have someone who's very popular with the kids. Hi! Mr. Lionel, how are you? Good, Joel. How are you? Good, thank you. You're Hi, Anna. Hi, Lionel. Hi. <laughs> um, Lionel, uh, just wondering if you ever built anything from Ikea before. Nope. Why is that? I've only got one arm. 
And mum and dad say, I'm not allowed to. There's another arm just You've there. You've got an arm right here. I've been doing lots of push-ups. Oh, the evil Russian push-up challenge. Yes, Amy said I should do it. Oh, yeah? How have you been going? Um, not so good. How many? Um, uh, half. <laughs> half a push-up? Half a push-up. And then look what happened to my arm. Oh, dear. Is that from the push-ups? Yep. From the half push-up. Half. Half. No wonder you could only get a half push-up. Yep, only on one arm. That's tough, man. So you don't you have never built IKEA from instructions? I don't like instructions. Why not? Because I always get in trouble. From who? Whoever gives the instructions. Oh, is that because you're not following them? Yeah. I don't like to follow the instructions. Really? No. What uh, who do you usually get instructions from? My mum. Oh, what does she? What does she instruct you to do? Be quiet, Lionel. <laughs> is that an instruction or just a emotional explosion? Both. Depends. So, what are you doing to create the emotional explosion there, Lionel? Singing la la la. So, as you said uh, a few weeks ago, you brought her snails in a box. Yeah. Right. Anything else like that? No, I sing to her all the time. And I sing on the weekends because I like to fight crime on the weekends. Is that why she gets upset? You're do, doing too much cleaning. Maybe. Or maybe you're not doing the cleaning in the way that the instructions tell you to. Oh, I don't read the instructions. Oh, there's the point. Is it important, Anna, do you think, to read the instructions? Well, when you're setting up some Ikea furniture, mm. you have to. That's very true. Because then you get to the end, you've got some leftover screws and you just... Don't know how to put them in, and then yep. you have to unassemble the whole thing to start yep. again to put those screws in. And if you've got missing screws, then <laughs> if you put books on the shelf, it's just going to fall down. The whole thing falls down. So it's not like Lego, where you can just do whatever you want. No, IKEA ah. furniture is definitely not like Lego. You can you got to start at number one, and you have to work through the mm. process. And you can't you can't really get creative with uh, IKEA furniture. That doesn't sound very fun. Well, sometimes it is fun to follow instructions. I think it's Anna, not a lot of fun to do with IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not IKEA, but there is another uh, type of instructions we can follow. Would you like to enlighten us, hmm. Meg, Anna? That's right. The Bible is full of instructions, and it's not like your mum saying, "Be quiet, Lionel." There Have you children. been in my house? <laughs> the Bible's instructions are good for us. They. The Bible is full of instructions that help us in life. Right. Would you, can you give us an example? Yeah, tell me one. Well, Jesus says, love your neighbour. And if you're loving your neighbour, that's very helpful in life. That sounds a bit gross. <laughs> well, you shouldn't bring your neighbour's nails. It doesn't say hug oh. your neighbour. Oh, right. So that could be a loving thing to do sometimes. How do we love our neighbour? What do you think, Lionel? Give them snails. Oh, no. You know what? If your neighbour was French and really liked eating snails, that could be a really oh, loving thing. Oh, good, good point. Mm, but some some neighbours might not like snails. True. So I could get them flowers. Yeah, oh. or puppy dogs. Puppy dogs. That's <laughs> an expensive. Am I getting a puppy dog? <laughs> where <laughs> where is it? You could you could get your you could cook something for your neighbour. Oh. Or you could you could turn your music down if you're playing loud music. So I could sing to them. So you don't bother your, if your neighbour loves your singing, that would be... Everybody loves my singing. Except, well, your mum doesn't love your singing. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
okay. So cool. a loving thing to do for your mum might be not to sing. Yeah, when she's okay. In a bad mood. Mm. Okay. Or sing outside. Oh, good idea. <laughs> but what you could get for your mum, for example, is get her a coffee. Or some headphones. Oh, okay. To listen to your music or <laughs> block out your singing? Listen to her music and not hear my singing. Oh, very nice. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. <laughs> that's fine. Well, that's... Uh, Joel. Yes. Can I borrow some money? For what? For headphones. Sure. Which ones are you going to buy? I don't know. How much do you need? Whatever ones will work for my mum. Okay. Well, do you want to ask your mum and then we can find out how much they cost? Okay. Now, and then you might need to do a budget. You might need to work out how to save up for them. Oh, this is sounding hard. Yeah. But that's how you love people, it's by doing something hard. We've got to give up, just give things up, just the way Jesus teaches us. Oh, I see what you did there, Joel. Yeah, very good. <laughs> good job. Can, yeah, thank you. What we can also do, though, is also listen to God's instructions, and we're going to hear from the Bible right now as Janine reads it. Yay! We hear that you're going to read the Bible for us today. Uh, I actually heard that you have been on the Bible reading team uh, for many years now, actually, um, even since like way back at Gaimir Anglican. Um, would you mind just telling us briefly why is it that you love being a part of this team? Uh, well, I, I think the, the Bible, obviously, being God's Word, is such a, an important part of every meeting that we have. And I just uh, love the opportunity to, to read it. And I, uh, I try to, to do my best um, to read it and so that it can be uh, you know, easily heard and, and understood. Yeah, well, you always do a really great job of that, Janine. So thank you so much for serving us in this way. Um, I'll pass over to you now and we'll hear from the Bible. Okay, thank you. The Bible reading will be from Hebrews. Chapter 1, starting at verse 5, through to chapter 2, verse 4. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says that all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. The scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Is it my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. But since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, 
How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Thank you so much, Janine. That's a pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Welcome back, guys. Uh, I am now joined by one of our pastors, Paul Tate. Very nice to see you again, sir. Lovely to see you too. And how, how have you been this week? Um, well, of course, just like everyone else, we're uh, a very squashed family. Yes. Um, everyone's at home, uh, be it some are on university holidays, some of them are trying to get back into schooling. And, of course, you know, that's sometimes a win, sometimes a loss. <laughs> um, it's um, a little bit tricky, That's um, cool. but um, we, we, we're getting by. We're getting yeah, by. Okay. as a lot of people are, I would assume. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things that we've been talking about this uh, weekend is listening to God's instructions. Mm. But I was going to ask you guys, how do you go with following IKEA instructions? Amy, do you want to go first? If you have ever built something from IKEA, um, usually my tactic is to uh, give the box to Jabish and. He then Sorted builds the thing for us. Yep. So that that's um, that's about as far as I've got with I building IKEA furniture. I think that's a good move because my wife and I end up often fighting about the instructions. <laughs> Just like, why did you do it like this? And I sometimes I'm not sure if um, if the instructions are very clear. So what was it? What's the number one? What's the one thing you can remember from IKEA that you you have in your, um, in your abode? We have one of those classic like bookshelves from ikea like the the one that's just like tall and skinny oh yeah i, can't I think it's called the bu- the billy bookshelf yeah i think that's right you know what um, i'm talking about if you've yep. ever been to ikea i was uh thinking in terms of ikea i was thinking about the um the little man that does the instructions <laughs> and we were just reflecting <laughs> on that and you guys like i don't oh sorry paul you said you I knew who it was yes but amy's sure. like i have no idea what you're talking about and now we found out why because you don't read the instructions because you don't do the building that'd be why <laughs> if javish was here he'd probably be able to talk to you about the well, we'll get him man. we'll get him on soon <laughs> so we can, he can tell us uh ikea instructions there paul is there any Ease or is it difficult for yourself? Um, well, no, I, I, well, I have built lots and lots and lots of IKEA furniture. Okay. Um, when we were in Russia, um, IKEA opened up um, and it was like, it was so nice <laughs> because it was this lovely place where um, they were just so much more relaxed and it was all about letting you interact with the furniture. And while we were there, we, our children were quite small. And so letting them run around and jump on beds and things like that was just a huge difference from the um, Soviet um, furniture stores, <laughs> <laughs> which were like really strict. Like, so you walked in and you simply looked side. If, if, if the child happened to look sideways at a bed, it was like, don't touch it. No. Don't touch. Not allowed. <laughs> Get off. And things like that. Whereas going to um, IKEA was just, just like here. Like, it's, yeah, jump on their beds. You know, there's kids' corners everywhere. Um, endless coffee and donuts, and it was just um, it was great. So we bought lots of IKEA furniture, and um, and I've assembled a fair bit of it as well. So I, I do know the man, the little IKEA man, quite well, mm-hmm. and I do tend to follow the instructions. So oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, now I have one other question for you in terms of 
we got it off. In terms of instructions, uh, do you know the evil Russian push-up challenge? Uh, no, I don't. Because wow, no. Amy has been doing it, and apparently it's uh, the way to go. You <laughs> want to build some bulk during this lockdown, you've got to follow the evil Russian push-up yeah, challenge. And very I, and specific I know, instructions Yes, and your experience of Russian uh, culture. Strict, strictness, yes. Yes, <laughs> is it sounds like you've... Uh, maybe the guys that run the furniture stores actually made up the... Do the calisthenics yeah. as well. I reckon they might have something to do with it. There was a lot of overlap between Soviet furniture and Soviet military and everything else. And <laughs> Naturally. Yes, yes. I think it was all pretty much one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there would have been some rather harsh and strict instructions, but if we're going to talk about instructions and we're going to have a look at Hebrews right now, um, I think you might have some <laughs> some better words than some of the Soviet uh, furniture store owners. That's right. Better words, um, although uh, still um, earnest encouragement for us to... Uh, Pay attention, be careful. Fantastic. What God has to say to us. Well, please uh, enlighten us and take it away. My pleasure. Well, as um, you would have just heard that reading just a minute ago, um, there was quite a lot of talk about angels, wasn't there? And I just wondered, have you ever thought that angels are actually a bit of an embarrassment to Christianity? Because um, if people find it hard to believe in Jesus, a historical person that left his footprints in Palestine... Well, how much more tricky is it to believe in an angel? Especially when we have that typical caricature, you know, the, the popular image of someone standing on a cloud in a glowing gown, wings, a halo on their head, perhaps they've got a harp to strum. Uh, for many people, angels are about as real as a tooth fairy. And yet, um, at, the, at the same time, in, in today's culture, spirituality is becoming more and more mainstream. Um, just a minute ago, I was, I was driving here and saw a car with an advertisement on its back window, um, uh, crystals um, and all that sort of stuff like that was the company that was being sold the whole idea of spirituality and, and, and using crystals for stuff um, in the entertainment industry the fantasy genre is a real money spinner there are so many countless books and games and movies all being pumped out where it's totally normal to see angels and indeed any kind of spiritual creature uh, they're taking centre stage. So perhaps um, people today have a kind of fascination with it, with angels, even though the way they think about them is probably not the way the Bible talks about them. Now, with all that being said, you probably still don't think very much about angels. And I have to admit that before preparing this talk, I didn't give them much thought either. But uh, if you survey how often angels do appear in Scripture, you'll end up with a very long list. Now, firstly, the thing to understand is that the word angel simply means messenger. That is, um, and angels are, are created beings um, devoted to serving and worshipping God, and, and in many cases, they do bring a message from God. We see them uh, all the way through the Old Testament, um, speaking to a number of people, bringing God's message to them. We see the angels announcing the birth of Jesus. We see them there again announcing the resurrection of Jesus. Um, they'll be there when Jesus comes back to gather all his people from all over the world. Angels continually stand in the presence of God, praising him. Angels rejoiced when you became a Christian. It's a lovely picture, isn't it, that they threw a little party just for you when you became a Christian. And they're waiting to rejoice for those who are yet to turn to Christ. They bring God's word of salvation 
but they can also bring God's judgment. There are angels who have rebelled. The devil himself is no more than an angel gone bad. And if hell was created for the devil and his angels, then heaven is a place filled with angels who worship God in all his glory. Well, whatever you want to say, angels, as far as God is concerned, do exist. Now, the reason why the author of Hebrews uh, introduces the topic of angels so early in his letter and in a quite lengthy way, well, really, it's a bit unclear. We can't really work that out from the text. But his main point about angels is very clear. And the point is this. Jesus supremely outranks angels in every measure. And more than that, if the people of the Old Testament needed to hear and obey the word that came from an angel, well then how much more do we need to hear and surrender to the word that comes from the Son of God? So before we continue, why don't we pray to that end now that we would hear and obey uh, the word that comes from Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to just take some time out now and to listen to you speak. And so, Lord, we do pray you'd give us ears to hear, um, minds to understand and hearts to obey, that we might pay careful attention to your word as we're encouraged to this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, what we have here in this, the rest of the first chapter of, of Hebrews is actually a long list of Old Testament quotes. Last week, we, we heard that God had spoken many times in various ways through the prophets, and the writer uses these quotes now from the Old Testament to tell us what God thinks about angels and what God thinks about his son. And in summary from this chapter, we'll see three things, the three ways Jesus is better than angels. The first way is this that Jesus' name is greater. Have a look here at um, chapter 1, verse 5. I've got it here on the screen for you. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. From this quotation that comes out of Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7, we see that the Son enjoys a special relationship with the Father. He is unique in his relationship to God. And so he's inherited a name that is far superior to that of the angels. Um, they are not in such a privileged relationship. The Son is actually called the firstborn. And this reminds us again of, of those opening verses of, of Hebrews where it talks about how, how he will be the inheritor of all things, the inheritor of the whole earth. And so it logically follows, therefore, that angels are in a position of submission to the Son and they are commanded to worship him. Okay, so that's the first comparison, that Jesus has a greater name. The second big comparison is this, that the Son is permanent, he is eternal. Whereas angels are described as fleeting and transient, the Son is described as as eternal, reading from verse 7. Have a look at this on the screen. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. The sun is a ruler whose throne will not 
come and go with time, but actually a throne that will last forever. And as we read on, we'll see that the sun will actually even outlast creation. Have a look at verse 10 here on the screen. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Jesus is going to be eternal, and in comparison to the whole of creation, it'll be like a faded pair of jeans that have worn out. Jesus will last forever and ever and ever. And so in a world that nothing seems to be the same, a world that always seems to be changing, we never know what's going to happen from one day to the next, you don't have to wake up and discover that God has changed the rules about salvation. You don't have to worry that somehow tomorrow you'll wake up discovering the ruler of the universe has walked away, stepped down. You don't have to worry that Jesus is not coming back. You don't have to worry that um, whether Jesus will keep his promise and his promise to you that he will raise you up on the last day. Of all the things you need to worry about, that is not one of them. Why? Because in the end, the sun remains unchanged all throughout eternity. He's the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Okay, so we have Jesus having a greater name. Jesus is eternal. And lastly, Jesus will rule. Have a look at verse 13 and 14 with him on the screen here. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We see here that the Son is the one who will rule, the one who sits on his throne, whereas the angels are actually there to serve, they're there to minister. And actually, furthermore, the angels are sent to serve us because we are the ones who will inherit salvation. Okay, so three things just here in, this, in chapter alone. Jesus has a greater name, he is eternal, and he rules. So what are we to make of all this? Well, I think verses 4 through to 14, they simply carry out, filling out that magnificent picture of Jesus that we began last week when we looked at the first three verses. And this painting is painted by the words of the Father himself, as he has declared all throughout the Old Testament, exactly who his son is. And the short answer is simply this, that the son is God. His name is the most superior, superior to all other names. But all of this is really there to set up the next point and the big point. The big point is not simply that angels are inferior to Jesus. The big point is seen in chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. Here on the screen. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. What we have here is a how much more kind of argument. If you can't reject the word of God from an angel who is actually way, way below Jesus, well, how much more can you survive if you reject the word that comes directly from the Son of God? The Son is greater than the angel. And if the word of, the, of an angel is binding, well, then how much more binding is the word of the Son of God? Those 
who rejected the word of an angel in the Old Testament paid the price. That's what we're told there. We're told that every violation, every disobedience received its just punishment. And if you can't fool with an angel, then you certainly can't fool with the Son of God. They didn't escape in the Old Testament and neither will we. And so that's why chapter 2 begins with a warning, a very clear warning. Verse 1 here on the screen. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Pay careful attention to what you have heard. I hope you're doing that right now. We must not ignore this message of salvation. Jesus announced the message of salvation was found in him alone. And that message was actually confirmed by the apostles and even by God himself through signs and wonders. Have a look at verse 4. God also testified to this by signs, wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. All of Jesus' words are confirmed by the apostles and even by God himself. But do you notice the language that's actually being used here? The way we fool with Jesus' message is not by blatant disobedience. Did you, did you notice that? The word disobedience is not used here. That's the sort of language that's used to describe the rejection of the Old Testament words that come from the angels. And the language here is actually more subtle. It's by ignoring the message. Have a look here, verse 1 again on the screen. It's by not paying careful attention to it anymore. See how that's much more subtle. It's not a blunt rejection saying, you know, I will not follow Jesus anymore. It's actually more like a, a trivializing of it. It's somehow pushing it to the side. And so by in, do, in doing that, we end up drifting away, slowly but surely drifting away from Jesus. Now it might be that you may have never really paid much attention to Jesus. And if you're here with us tonight or today watching this show or this, this, this um, online recording, well then it's great that you're here watching it and we're really glad that you're here. But the word of the God is really sending out a clear warning. It's saying, don't ignore this message of salvation. Don't ignore this message of salvation while it's being offered to you right now. Please heed the warning it's saying. It's really quite blunt in the scripture. It's saying ignore salvation will result in punishment. Now is the time that God is offering salvation. Now is the time to accept it. Now is the time to meet God. Because friends, you don't want to meet God for the first time on judgment day. Later in Hebrews, um, it'll say that our God is like a consuming fire and that it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's why it's such a great salvation because of what we've been rescued from. It's so dreadful. Salvation is so great. Now is the time to accept salvation. But this letter was actually firstly primarily written to those who believe. It's written for those who had actually received the message, but they were in danger of drifting away. They knew about the sun, but they were now taking it for granted. They trusted Jesus, but now they were paying less attention to the gospel message 
than they had before. And the result is that they were drifting. Drifting. It's an interesting image, isn't it? No? It's, about, it's like one of a boat that hasn't got its anchor fastened to the seabed. And so it's drifting along with whatever current takes it. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on a, a drifting boat, um, most of the time you don't even notice you're moving until you look up and think, oh, that bit of coastline actually doesn't look familiar. Maybe you've been on a boat drifting so long that you look up and think you can't see the coastline at all. But drifting is never quick. It's sort of slow by nature, almost unnoticeable. And same way with people. People who drift from the gospel never seem to do it very quickly. It becomes, it's, it's slow and takes time. So it begs the question, how do we drift? How does it start? Well, it can start in all sorts of ways. We might find ourselves missing out on church now and then. And uh, there may be very good reasons for that. We always have good reasons, always very good reasons. It might be study. It might be overtime at work. It might be a relationship, a new stage of your life. Maybe things to do around the house or that well-earned chance to practice the hobby. It might be personal issues like sickness or a broken relationship. It might be the bitterness of feeling hurt by church. For some of us, it might be flirting with that sin that keeps entangling us. Take your pick. There are a thousand reasons why people drift away. At the time, always finding good reasons. At the time, always planning for it to be temporary. But after drifting away from God for a while, we might stop and say to ourselves, oh, really, has it been that long since I've been to church? Has it been that long since I've read the Bible. It's been quite a while since I've prayed to my Father in heaven. You know, friends, preachers are not immune. None of us are immune. I'm not immune and you are not immune to drifting. And that's why we've always got to be keeping ourselves accountable, reminding of each other to keep on track. You know, it might be hard to give each other a bit of a kick up the behind, to stop from drifting, but it's the most loving thing we can do for each other, to remind each other to stay on track. Because you don't wake up one morning and just decide to stop following Jesus. It's a, it's a very rare person that does that. If you're like most people, you will drift away slowly and unnoticeably. You know, you've probably heard about that gruesome experiment with the frog and hot water. You know, if you don't know about it, apparently if you have a frog and drop him into hot water, he'll jump straight out of, that, out of that water and away. But if the frog starts in cold water and you slowly heat up that water, the frog will actually just stay there, even to the point of boiling and die in the water. The frog's unable to detect that gradual increase in temperature, even to the point where it becomes fatal. And and that's the same sort of nature of drifting. Drifting away is not the result of one big decision. It's most likely the result of a thousand little decisions. A lot of them probably not sin in themselves and on their own almost unnoticeable. A thousand little decisions that are moving you further away from having Christ at the centre of your life. And his purpose and plan for you somehow moves to the background 
and the things of the world move to the front. A thousand decisions where you're too busy to pray, too tired to read God's word, too angry to come to church, too disappointed with God, too hurt by Christians, too vulnerable to the world's approval. And so you drift. Friends, the word here in verse 1 is that we must pay careful attention. We must pay careful attention to what we have heard or we will drift away. So friends, please take heed. I must take heed. Remember that it's because God loves us that he gives us this message. So are you listening? Are you paying careful attention right now? Because maybe, just maybe, I'm an angel of God sent to give you this message tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have sent your word to us to warn us from drifting away. Lord, whatever it is that's distancing us from your word, we pray that you would help us to deal with that this day. Help us to make resolutions, decisions and habits that will seek to put you first, to heed the warning and to come back to you while you offer mercy. Lord, we thank you that in the very midst of your warning, you are the God who calls us to come home to you. And it's in the great name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure. Very much appreciated. Um, I know that in reading, starting to read Hebrews, there's quite a lot of uh, references to angels, and you spoke about it a lot there. Um, I was going to ask Amy a question first, if that's if that's all right with you. Uh, have you dedicated much thought to angels, Amy? Uh, I can't say that I've thought about angels heaps before in detail, Joel. No. <laughs> don't expand on that any further. Um, well, I mean, it's it's the kind of topic that sounds really fascinating, yeah. right? So, um, I think w- when I have thought about it before, um, it's it's always been kind of like, oh, angels, like that's cool. I wonder what's the go with that. Uh, but I haven't really dived deep into it to actually uh, try to seek out specific answers to questions. It's I usually just, the just kind have of a thing. halo on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that about it? Um, I use that halo emoji quite a lot. That's about as close as I get to interacting with angels okay. <laughs> frequently. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny thing because I I, it's not something I really think about that much. But then you wonder, like, as you were talking about, Paul, they're God's messengers. What do they look like and how do they communicate in God's world and communicate his message and all that kind of thing? But I also thought it was um, interesting that you talked about those three things that the writer of Hebrews brings out in that passage that we've had today and we're currently in a situation of a changing situation really of lockdowns case numbers all that kind of thing um and I, what i got from what you said is that jesus overrules all of that i was just i'm going to ask both of you what tips do you guys have to ensure that we're focusing on that that jesus is greater he's eternal and he rules overall I might start with you Paul. um yeah um that we, we do live in uncertain times, and I guess, but then there's probably been lots of moments throughout history that people have thought we're living in uncertain times. And um, 
they can get very very worried about what's what's happening mm. um certainly um the letter to the hebrews is a great encouragement to us about who jesus is how supreme he is um uh in these one-liners where he's he's the maker and sustainer of all things that he's the one who rules forever and ever um whereas even the creation wears out like a garment so it's there to encourage us to think that jesus is there he has not left the building um, not, not stepped off his throne um, he's still there even through a viral pandemic um, as he was through world wars and um and through other you know momentous occasions of, of um, uncertainty um so um yeah that's i think the the overarching sort of encouragement of, of hebrews but then at the same time uh, what is interesting from that passage, that warning, particularly in the beginning of chapter 2, is about um, the danger of not paying attention and drifting away. And again, reflecting on that, realising it probably is lots of little, little decisions that, that contribute to that. And so a good thing to obviously counteract that is to have little decisions that help us to walk closer to God. Um, um, I think sometimes we can get we can get a bit disappointed and I'm, I'm, I'm no different to anyone else. I can sometimes find myself drifting away and not doing the things that I should. Um, and then we think, right, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to work it out. And, and um, if I'm not reading the Bible enough, now I'm going to make sure I read the Bible every year, right through from beginning to end. And so we sort of set this mountain for us to climb. Mm-hmm. And that can be a little bit discouraging too because most of the time we don't get there. Um, but to be able to think, okay, well, actually... What are some very um, simple, achievable things for us to do? Mm. Um, that might help us to sort of counteract um, the problem of drifting. Mm. Um, start with baby steps. Start in a small way, and um, and and rejoice with wins and and victories. And that's that's a sort of a, I think a practical way in which to, if a thousand little decisions can make us go the wrong direction, we can also bring us back by little decisions the other way. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. I, s- I found it interesting when you talked about if you can't fool with an angel, you certainly can't fool with the Son of God. Yeah. Um, and as you were saying, that's why we need to pay careful attention to God's instructions. Instructions are the thing that we've talked about a fair bit right, <laughs> yep, yep. on this episode. Um, in terms of drifting away, I know that later on in Hebrews it starts talking about that a lot, someone that falls away from God. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering that I'm sure you guys have been Christians for a reasonable amount of time. Have you seen someone that has slowly drifted away and what did you learn from that experience? Maybe because I, I can, the people that I can think about, it makes me quite sad and a little bit despairing of like, oh, these, these people have drifted away. Or maybe I could have done something or um, I'm not sure. I'd just be interested on in hearing perhaps, Amy, if you can reflect on that. You don't have to name anyone. <laughs> That's probably not a good <laughs> idea. But just, yeah, what did you uh, learn from that and how can you apply that to your own life? Yeah, um, I have seen it and it is really sad when that happens. Um, yeah, often it is a process that, um, like w- when I've seen that happen to people in my life, um, it has sometimes taken me a bit by surprise, but then upon reflection, um, I can kind of look back and see some of the, I guess, the telltale signs that maybe um, that like that drift was starting to happen um, before I'd sort of noticed it in the moment. Um, I think maybe maybe like one of the 
um, one of those signs that someone's on the drift um, might be when their faith becomes a bit more, they view it a bit more transactionally. Um, so their emphasis is less, seems to be less on like the, the relationship that they rejoice to have with our Lord and Saviour and um, it starts to become more about like, all right, I've got to, got to go to church on the weekend because I feel like that's probably the right thing to do but it's not something I really want to do. So I'll just do that and sort of tick that box. Keep up appearances. And then, yeah, um, and then I'll sort of like go about the rest of my week knowing that that box is ticked off and maybe it's the same thing with reading the Bible or... Um, engaging in like time with prayer um with with family or with friends that you'd meet up with um it's kind of like ticking the boxes doing the right things but it's not out of a sense of um you know joy that we get to be with god and be in his presence and talking with him Um, and it becomes more just something that's done because it should be done or it helps to keep up appearances whatever the motivation might be um and once it sort of becomes that transactional focus, I think it's it's easier for for people to drift further because um, it's it's not really a relationship that they're maintaining anymore. It's it's just a um, this need to sort of do the right thing and and tick the right boxes, and that's easier to let slip once you're on that track. I suspect we've we've got a few episodes. Um We've talked. About, we've kind of got some little tips and ideas from people about how they've kept their relationship strong with Jesus. I'm just wondering if you've got any is, besides doing Russian push-ups. <laughs> is there anything else that I pray you pray while I push they, up? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not really. Push-up prayers. Um, what's something that works for you? Um, like. Some some things are just really basic, um, but really helpful. Obviously, like reading the Bible regularly is yeah. great, and um, and praying regularly is great. Um, but I I also find something really helpful is um, reading Christian books, not um, not just the Bible, but actually reading books written by Christian authors um, that detail. Um, their own experiences, um, things that are kind of biographical or autobiographical in nature, especially I find really encouraging um, because it's a way to kind of just see how God has been at work in the life of another Christian. And uh, I think sometimes when I get a little bit too bogged down thinking about myself um, and my own situation in the year 2021, what's going on for me, um, I can start to lose perspective and um, and Jesus can kind of shrink in my mind a little bit. Um, and so seeing and hearing about how God is at work in other Christians' lives and has worked through the lives of Christians throughout you know the centuries, um, that can just help to broaden my perspective. And I find it really encouraging. Um, and I can then, I find I'm, I'm better able then to see how God is still at work in my life and he's still in control and he's still good um, rather than just like being so narrow, narrowly focused on like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in lockdown. What's, what's up with that? It's like, no, God is a big God and he's, um, he's handled all sorts of situations throughout the years. Um, this is another situation that he's got in his hands and I can trust that and I can hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus. Do you have a favourite biography? I don't know if I 
have a favourite off the top of my head, but one that I read recently, um, I re- read it last year actually, Ange Greaves lent this book to me. Um, it's called The Hiding Place. It's um, it's about a lady called Corrie Ten Boom, who I hadn't heard of before, but I, I think a lot of um, older Christians have heard of her name. Um, she she lived um, through World War Two, and she uh, she actually spent time in a concentration camp, um, having been arrested for hiding um, Jews in her house um, during the war. So it's a story of great faithfulness and trust in God through incredibly trying circumstances, and I found that story really encouraging. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Do recommend. And Paul, do you have a possibly have a favorite Christian biography? I've got a Bonhoeffer one sitting on my shelf, but I haven't got to it yet. Yeah, I, I'm. I'll, I'll admit I'm not that great a reader of different biographies. Um, um, Lindell is. Yes. So, and I know we've got we've got a few of those. Yeah. Okay. There. Um, uh, yeah, but of course, I mean the the testimony of, of um, saints who have gone by is obviously great thing in fact maybe it's something that I, I do need to look into because um even later in hebrews there'll be a whole chapter devoted to saints um a cloud of witnesses um that have been there again even the writer to the hebrews encourages his readers uh, by thinking back to the great saints that have come before um, through the scriptures i loved how you also talk, spoke about and i think it relates to the saints of that they uh, ignoring the salvation that's on offer um, and it, when you said that, it made me think of a, a discussion that I had with my um, my lovely five-year-old daughter, Everly, where I've mentioned hell, and we started talking about hell, and she wasn't really unsure of the the concept of hell. So that was really interesting to talk to her about that and why we deserve punishment. I'd just love you to, if you wouldn't mind, talking about that a little bit, that we do deserve punishment as sinful people, and there is a salvation on offer. Why are we ignoring it, And then, but why also do we deserve punishment and we thankfully have Jesus to take that punishment for us um, I guess I mean this comes from a, a, a broader um, declaration that comes from scripture um, I guess if we were left around as ISIS we probably may not think that we're that, that bad um, uh, I mean I guess if you look broadly at, at, at history then of course people do see um, the brokenness of this world and that sort of stuff. And then if we're really, really honest with ourselves, we might think, yeah, um, there's lots of areas where we fail. Um, and scriptures make that fairly clear um, that um, we uh, have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a clear declaration of scripture and pretty consistent right throughout. Um, uh, but of course, you know, the, the, great, the great blessing is the offer of mercy, even through... Hebrews, we're going to see uh, warnings coming up again and again, and strong exhortations to sort of do, I guess, to be honest with ourselves uh, and be honest to God and, uh, and follow him. Mm. Yeah, be re- and, and to pay, pay, pay attention to him, be re- ready to accept, I guess, that offer of forgiveness that's on, that is being offered yeah. at, th- at this moment. Um, there is a, a, a line, though, in time when maybe that offer won't be on offer anymore. And so there's an urgency about it. And hence, and there's, and there's so much of Scripture. It's not just Hebrews. It's, it's, it's again, a, a fairly consistent theme right throughout of the urgency 
the need to um, turn to God in our time of need. That's absolutely why uh, one of the reasons why this um, sermon series is called Jesus is Better. Yep. Because um, he really is. <laughs> so um, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, guys. Really appreciate it. And we'll be right back. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing love the Father turns His face away As wounds which mother chosen one Bring many sons to glory
uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, we have been talking in Hebrews about how we are allowing God to communicate through us, through his son, Jesus. And right now, we are actually going to communicate with him through prayer. Um, and Anna and Amy, sorry, it's two A's. I had to make sure I got, <laughs> got the names right there. <laughs> two A's. Anna and Amy are going to do that for us and lead us in prayer. Um, you guys, I don't think we decided who's going to go first. Who's going to? Paper, scissors, rock, for it. Oh, do it. All right. Let's go. Best of one, three. Best of three. Best of three. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, you win. So you win first? Um, I guess so. I guess right. I'll go first then. All Let's, right. go. Let's do it. I should take this off then. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, will you join me as I kick us off? Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can still be gathered together online, even though we can't be in person. Um, Lord, we we bring before you um, some prayer points today, and we just thank you that we can trust that you are listening and that you care. Um, Lord, thank you so much that you've already been answering prayers um, for Jake and Trista Sell, and um, as Trista has experienced some complications in her third trimester of pregnancy, we've been uh, praying that you will extend this pregnancy, um, keep that baby inside a few make a few more weeks, um, so that it can be. Uh, safe and healthy and strong. Um, Lord, thank you that uh, that has been the case so far. And Lord, we continue to pray that Trista um, can uh, be safe and well and that this baby can keep growing strongly inside. Um, And Lord, that the the pregnancy will last longer, um, that she will get to full term and that uh, you'll be looking after the whole family at this time as they prepare for the arrival of their baby. Um, Lord, we also pray for Indigenous communities who are um, impacted by COVID. Um, Lord, COVID is affecting us all at the moment, and um, we think especially of those communities that are more vulnerable at this time. Um, Lord, we pray that you will be um, protecting them and um, preventing the spread of COVID through those communities in particular. Um, Lord, as we all um, continue to do our part to stop the spread um, and to, to keep us and our communities safe at this time, we pray that you'll grant us all extra patience and wisdom um, as we do so. Um, Lord, we pray especially for Isaac and Eileen Gordon, George and Carmel Ferguson, Michael Duckett and Gum Naden um, as Indigenous leaders. Um, we pray that you'll be granting them um, wisdom and yeah, the ability to, to care for the people that they minister to at this time and protect them um, from the spread of this disease. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, COVID sucks. We're really struggling, Lord, many of us feeling isolated. And um, you, you created us for community. You created us to be with one another and and we're, while we're isolating, while we're in lockdown, um, we pray that you will be um, a comforting presence for us, that we can remember that you are there with us all the time, that we're never alone, and we pray that that, that um, knowledge can be of comfort to those who really need who really need to know that right now. We pray for all of those in our community and for those across the world who are dealing with the impact of COVID. We ask that you would intervene and bring an end to the cycles of infection that just keep on going and going and spreading across the world. We pray also for, the, 
for those who are sick with COVID, those who are sick in general or those who are, who are struggling. We pray, Lord, that your peace would be on, those, on these people. We pray that, that um, those who are sick and struggling will know your loving presence and be given the patience that, that they need to get through this really tough time, Lord. We pray for families who are struggling with having um, kids at home, not being able to go out. And we pray for those who are homeschooling. We pray for those who are working from home. Lord, we we ask that you will just give us patience and um, tolerance to be able to continue loving those that we see day by day by day. The days kind of all add up, Lord. And we just, we just continue to ask you to give us the stamina to get through this really tough time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can um, learn from Hebrews today and from Lionel. And we pray that we can pay the most careful attention to what we have heard in your Bible and that we can be reading it every day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys, for praying. Um, Anna, what can we look forward to uh, in the next episode of Word on the Street podcast? Ah, on um, Monday, it is going to be about God. This term is all about God. God is omni- nice. omnipotent. I always say omnipotent, but God is <laughs> omnipotent. He's all-powerful, which is a good reminder yep. at this time. Anyway. Good reminder. How's um, homeschooling been going for you? Is it a little bit tough? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's tough for us all. We, tough for yeah. kids as well. Um, my job is to be a mum, not to be a mum and a teacher and <laughs> all of the other things that come come with it. Yep. And, um, you know, we just do our best. And it's the relationships in the long run that matter the most. That's a yeah, really good way behind, to look at it. They get behind, they'll catch up. Yeah, so that's right. cool. Because, yeah, I'm meant to be working at the same time as homeschooling and I'm like, I'm not getting enough work done. <laughs> and I'm like, but it's a really, it's actually, for me, it's a really nice time to be spending more time with the kids. Yeah, we're doing more puzzles and playing table tennis every day and we're, yeah. Which is, which is cool. The quality time is yep. lovely, I have to admit. Yep. Now, evil Russian lady. <laughs> 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 what's, uh, how, what's the target you're going to hit? How many push-ups? Like, how many would I like to get to at some point? Yeah. Do you mean? Yeah. Um, I haven't really thought about that, to be honest. Like... Why put a cap on it, Joel? Well, wait, okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't want to limit. I don't want to limit. No, the sky's the limit with you. But um, why did you start doing it in the first place then? Uh, well, it's something that Jibish and I um, actually started doing last year when COVID first struck. I remember. Uh, so then we, we decided when, you know, when we had to stay at home again this year, we'd do it again. Um, I think it was just a fun challenge mm. to do and it was something that we both – thought would be like beneficial who doesn't want to be a little bit stronger right it was going to be healthy and it was going to be <laughs> fun and it turned out to be not as much fun as it was healthy but you find yourself carrying things and going this is really easy i can do this um well i haven't tried to carry anything too heavy lately but i must say it's really cool to be able to like hold a plank position and mm. hold up my own body weight without just quaking in the arms instantly like that that's a novel experience for me and it's it's really cool <laughs> what about jabish what kind of numbers are you putting up um oh you'll have to you'll have to ask him that oh, i'll get him on the phone <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, he's seen some pretty good improvements as well yeah, actually over the past few weeks. So uh, he, um, he decided to just keep repeating week one of the program. 
So he took a slightly different approach to me. But we're, we're quite evangelists for this program now. We're happy to talk about it to anyone, anytime. But yeah. um, you, know what's, you know what's better it. than uh, the Evil Russian push, push Up program, Joel? Tell me. Jesus is better. Oh, oh what a way to wrap it, it up. up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You've heard from the double A's. Uh, we, uh, Jesus is better, guys. And, um, and as Anna was praying, uh, COVID can make things a little bit difficult for a lot of us. Make sure you're in contact with people. Make sure you, if you want to go for a walk or want to have a chat with someone, you can get in contact with any of the staff at the church because we'd um, love to be able to help you out with that. Um, the other thing you can do to stay in contact with church is check out our other podcasts. Now, they're also, anywhere you get the podcast, you get Soul Revival Digital. You can also get them on YouTube, which is the Shock Absorber and the Chip Lunch podcast. Um, We've had some very nice feedback, including Amy said she listens to the Chip Lunch podcast, which is very awesome. Um, But having said that, stay strong, look after yourselves, and trust God. One way, guys. Thank you.